just over a week out from the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Again, the incumbent, Donald J. Trump, and the Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. The last episode, we talked about a few things that we think you need to be looking out for, things that are driving trends, things that are moving voters in key swing states. We'll talk about other battleground states in just a minute. But before that, we'll just look back and do a review on what we thought are the key things that you need to be looking for, key factors. These are things that can be picked up in polling and mainstream data. These are definitely going to inform uh, where we think things are going right now. The other thing is dark matter. Dark matter is something that you can't pick up. These are things that are happening between the lines in gray areas. We identified some of those things last time. Now we'll show you some other bits of dark matter that are bubbling to the surface right now in some key battleground states that we think are moving voters uh, in either direction, Democrat or Republican. And of course, the last thing is momentum. Uh, momentum is happening now in the last week, last two weeks. This is where you're going to see surges in momentum. You're going to see the polls change. You're going to see a lot of data that's going to be basically rendered useless. Everything that was accumulated up until this point, it's going to be basically meaningless. But on the subject of dark matter, let's take a look at one specific bit of dark matter, and that is the postal vote, the early vote fizzle. Now, a lot has been made about the early postal vote. Massive amount of hype. Uh, the Democrats are anticipating huge numbers. And it, this has materialized in some states, but there is a potential fizzle factor. In other words, uh, they've shot all of their guns early uh, on this. We'll look at one particular state on this. But just to reiterate here, this was the announcement just a, a couple of days ago. Record numbers uh, have voted early in the 2020 elections. So 47 million and, and counting. So we've already surpassed uh, where things were uh, in 2016 already. But let's just take a look at what's happening in one particular state. Here's a bit of dark matter, and we're going to be looking at here Florida, early voting statistics. Now look at this graph. What you want to pay attention to here is basically this red line. Uh, that's the anticipated number of votes that the Democrats would need in terms of early voting and also postal voting in order to sort of overtake the Republicans on Election Day. And as you can see, this blue line here, this is where the Democrats are uh, currently or projected to be. And if that is the case, that's about well, just under 500,000 uh, early votes and postal votes in the state of Florida. So that won't be enough to get up to that red line, uh, which is where they need to be. Because on the day, uh, there's going to be more uh, projected, more Republican voters coming out to vote. Now, of course, this particular bit of statistical analysis here doesn't give us the full picture in terms of what sort of surprise uh, Democratic showing might there be uh, on November 3rd. That's yet to be known. But at, at present, we're looking at the Democrats taking about a 325,000 uh, vote lead projected going into Election Day, so ahead of the Republicans in Florida by about 325,000 votes. Now, that might seem like good news, but if that's the majority or a, a large chunk of Democrats who've already voted early and there's nothing left on the day, uh, then this could spell a victory uh, for the Republican Party. That might seem counterintuitive, but this is what the data is showing us. So that's the early postal vote fizzle. And uh, you can go to the source of this particular analysis. This is an independent analysis here on GitHub. Uh, but yeah, this is something you need to be looking out for. Now, beyond this, Looking at the state of Florida, it's a fascinating state, obviously, and there's a, a tremendous amount of 
currency uh, for whoever can take the state of Florida, 29 uh, electoral votes. But look at this. This is an interesting data point that just came out. The Democrat advantage over the Republicans among Florida registered voters has shrunk since the year 2016. So just in the last four years, uh, the, the sizable margin that the Democrats have enjoyed in the state of Florida has shrunk. That gap has closed substantially. So we're looking for things like this. This is Pew Research Center. This is a mainstream data and analysis think tank here. So moving on in terms of other states, this is Pennsylvania. This also is related to the issue of early and postal votes. This is a recent court case here. Counties cannot reject mail ballots because mismatched signatures rules the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So that means that basically uh, there's a flood of postal votes coming in, early ballots coming in by post, and maybe if the signatures don't match. So the Republicans are saying that this could lead to basically you know, fraud, election fraud, uh, in terms of, you know, are, are they basically stacking uh, all of these postal ballots and who, you know, how can you check? Uh, so there's, this, this is a pitched battle that's being fought in the courts here. This decision is the latest uh, in a crush of litigation uh, in the weeks leading up to the November 3rd election. So there, there's loads of these cases going on right now uh, in different states, and some of them could have serious ramifications. It's, it's an unknown at this point. So, but this is the sort of thing that uh, we're keeping a close eye on, and we'll report more on this uh, in the next couple of days to see what the results of some of these legal challenges might be. So on the subject of October surprises, uh, this is the Hunter Biden email cachet, and not just emails, but uh, images and all sorts of things. Now, this story has kind of amazingly as damning as it is, it's absolutely hit the rocks because there's been a total mainstream media blackout on this story. They just won't report on it. We're left with a situation where there's potentially an incriminating, uh, damning scandal here uh, from the for the Democratic nominee, but the media is not going to report on it. So effectively, it doesn't exist. It's not being touched by the major newspapers or the major networks, except for a few like Fox News in the U.S. and maybe a couple of others. But it's basically hands off. I mean, this is a totally different debate in terms of the state of the mainstream media uh, in 2020. And unfortunately, we might not be able to litigate that debate uh, before November 3rd. So this story, unfortunately, this is also being buried under uh, uh, something that just came out with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and a, a Borat entrapment a skit on Rudy Giuliani, who is one of the people who brought this story uh, to the surface. So uh, in, ironically, it's kind of been buried. Now, Moving on here, now this is interesting, the enthusiasm gap. We talk about the enthusiasm gap. Look at this. We've got side by side here. This is one of Donald Trump's typical rallies uh, here, and then also Joe Biden. Now look at, look at this, and it's just the most incredible contrast. So here you have big crowds for Trump, and then you look over at the Biden event, and there's nobody there. And so this video uh, was posted uh, on social media just recently by... BG on the scene. So we want to thank him for posting this on Twitter. But look at the difference between the two. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So in, in terms of the enthusiasm gap, I mean, this just screams uh, something's going on here. Uh, it, not many people have seen Joe Biden uh, in public. Uh, certainly, we haven't seen any big rallies. So again, uh, the Democrats are, I guess, hoping that uh, the support will materialize on the day. So they've really banked heavily 
on early voting and postal voting. That's been a, the major strategy, I think, for the Democratic Party in this. And this is also under the color of COVID in the sense that the polls aren't safe to go to uh, on the day. It's not safe to go out and vote. So it's better to vote uh, by post. So this is what the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi and uh, others in the leadership have been pushing for months now. But this is the result. I mean, this is just incredible. I mean, look at this. Where is everybody? There's nobody at Joe Biden's rally. He's got a giant teleprompter there that's, you know, 15 feet high in auto, auto queue. I mean, nobody, nobody's seen anything like this before. And, and I think Barack Obama might be doing some of the same type of media stunts that Joe Biden's doing. Uh, certainly, we've seen clips of this online, uh, similar things with, that Obama's doing. He's out on the trail as well. But look at Trump's rallies, massive crowds. Uh, you know, very enthusiastic, people queuing for hours to get in. So, you know, in terms of that enthusiasm gap, I mean, it's just uh, as wide as, as we've ever seen in any uh, U.S. election in living memory. So that alone is absolutely incredible. So let's take a look at some of the key battleground states uh, that we didn't cover last time. And we've got a collection of a few key states that are absolute swing states. And one of the first of those is in the Midwest and that is the state of Iowa. Now, Iowa is a key uh, state in terms of the primaries, obviously one of the first primaries uh, to be casting votes along with New Hampshire. So during the primary uh, phase of the election, it's very important. All the country's eyes, the world's eyes are on, on states like Iowa. Now, in the national election, it's much smaller in terms of uh, electoral votes, only six. But again, uh, in a race this close nationally, six electoral votes, in, along with other states collectively on the aggregate, basically Trump and Biden have to play for every single electoral vote uh, across the country, uh, and, and especially in key battleground states. Iowa is absolutely tight right now. Now, th some points you might need to know about Iowa, it's called a COVID desert, basically. There's not much COVID. They had a soft lockdown, uh, so the people haven't been under too much of a heavy regime in terms of pain and suffering like in other states whose governors have put heavy restrictions down uh, with regards to the pandemic. And again, in the uh, U.S. Senate race, this is also one of the key factors we're looking at here. And in this Senate race is interesting, uh, Teresa Greenfield and Joni Ernst. Now, they're neck and neck right now. Uh, Greenfield had a bit of a lead early on. The Democrats pumped a lot of money uh, into that campaign early. But as you can see, it's evening out right now, and it's pretty much neck and neck. So that's uh, an interesting indication here of where Iowa might be headed, where it's leaning. This is an agriculture stronghold, okay? Agricultural rules in Iowa. Trump is seen to be very friendly with big agriculture, good for big ag. And so this is going to play well uh, in the heartlands of Iowa. So, and again, the ACB effect, the Amy Coney Barrett effect, new Supreme Court justice, conservative. This is absolute gold for the GOP base and for evangelicals uh, as well. So Trump's done uh, an incredible coup uh, to get that justice uh, in and to get that process moving. So that's going to help him with his base. So in 2016, uh, Trump 9.4% advantage uh, in Iowa against Hillary Clinton. So that's a fairly 
decent margin. So what you got to be looking for is what could cut into that uh, right now. The burn level is medium, so that's an X factor in Iowa that might make a difference. Bernie Sanders supporters who will not support Joe Biden or who are you know, completely done with the mainstream Democratic Party, they might just sit this one out. And certainly uh, Biden's national poll lead that, that's been touted on every mainstream poll, that's given uh, Bernie Sanders uh, supporters the excuse they need uh, to basically sit this one out on the bench uh, or po possibly vote for Donald Trump or vote for a third party candidate. We don't see a lot of big third party uh, activity uh, across the country like we did uh, in 2016. So at the end of the day, uh, we're going to give the edge to Trump in Iowa in, in this battleground state uh, uh, coming up. So now moving on, uh, in terms of other battleground states, let's take a look at this battleground state. This is the state of Wisconsin. Now, this was absolutely neck and neck uh, in 2016. Now, as you can see, we've got a different color going on here. We'll uh, explain what that's about. The Kenosha effect could go either way. Uh, the happenings in Kenosha, the, the riots and people being shot and killed as well, the violence, it can motivate Trump's base uh, in terms of people who are you know, want to see law and order in their cities, but it can also motivate the Democrats who saw that as, uh, you know, white supremacists were involved in the violence and so forth, uh, and police brutality and defund the police, that sort of thing. That's also motivating some of the Democrats. We don't know how much, but uh, this is the Rust Belt effect here in play in Wisconsin. There is a red rural tundra in the state of Wisconsin. That's definitely going to play well uh, into Trump's base, into the GOP base. Now, the, the Democrats have uh, clear strongholds uh, in some of the major cities in Wisconsin, talking about Milwaukee uh, and Madison. In 2016, this was the slimmest of margins, 0.77%, less than a percent Trump won by over Hillary Clinton. The burn level is medium. There is a decent Bernie Sanders contingent in the state of Wisconsin. That's something to look out for. Now, in terms of dark matter, the indie voter. This played huge in 2016. So where are those third-party voters, those people who supported Gary Johnson or Jill Stein in 2016, where are they going to be migrating? This is still somewhat of an unknown in this, in this election in 2020. Uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016, uh, she led in every single public poll in this state before losing by less than one point. However, this is a dead heat. It's too close to call, so you know we can't really even... I can't really even take a punt on this right now. It's just too close. Hence, this is why uh, we've chosen this as gold and not red uh, or blue. We will count it possibly as a, as a red state uh, when we do our final tallies uh, in a minute. So let's take a look at another battleground state. This is the state of Michigan. This is an absolute key state, a key swing state. This is a state that Donald Trump took in 2016, but it's still uh, very close uh, in 2020, almost impossible to sort of differentiate uh, in terms of the polling, in terms of where we think this state is going right now. Let's take a look, however, at some of the key factors here. There's a bit of lockdown blowback uh, in the state of Michigan. The people push back against Governor Gretchen Whitmer's uh, very strict lockdown. She was a bit too lockdown happy uh, in the last couple of months. That might play heavily uh, into Trump's favor. In fact, the court ruled against the governor uh, recently on this issue of lockdown. So the people are sort of got a taste of freedom there. That will definitely motivate 
the GOP base. As we said, lockdown, COVID, masks, these things have become wedge issues uh, in this election in 2020. And the court decision against the Democrats on the postal vote scheme, uh, this could be interesting in a close a race like this in a very close state. So we'll keep an eye on that. Now, the Democrats' urban strongholds, uh, Detroit, Flint, these cities like this, uh, strong support there. And the U.S. Senate race is very interesting. It's close. Gary Peters, a Democrat, is edging uh, John James, a Republican. But that could change in the next couple of days. This is based, of course, on polling, on local polling. So this is an average of all the different polls. We're looking at real clear politics in this case. So, But as an interesting uh, indication, this is an extremely tight state. It's very close still. So back in 2016, Donald Trump won by 0.3% margin. Tiny, tiny, a, a minuscule amount of votes flipped this state for Donald Trump. It was a key electoral victory uh, in the 2016 elections. Will he be able to extend on that? Will the Democrats be able to overtake? We don't know, but it does look like there are a lot of factors actually in Trump's favor. One of them is this bit of dark matter. The burn rate is high in the state of Michigan. There's a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, many of them disaffected. Many of them will not vote for Joe Biden. They see him as a, a sellout. They see the mainstream uh, Democratic Party as an absolute sellout to progressives and basically casting aside the agenda that Bernie Sanders uh, drummed up so much support in 2016 and 2020. So the burn rate could play uh, a big factor there. They could sit out this election, who knows, or maybe vote for the down-ballot candidates, but don't basically vote for Joe Biden or vote for a third party or Trump uh, is yet to be known. So we'll find out. Now, students on Zoom, this is a big factor uh, in Michigan, massive universities, Michigan State, University of Michigan and others. So students are basically off campus. That's going to basically change what you normally see in an election year. This could factor in in such a tight race like Michigan. Now, a bit of dark matter here. Alternative candidates. In 2016, there were something like 280,000 disgruntled voters who went third party. Gary Johnson, Jill Stein took 4.7% of the voter share there. So, you know, the, the third party void uh, in Michigan could be massive. And again, that's an X factor. It's going to be very difficult for polls to take into account, for mainstream analysis to take into account. So where are those third party, where are those alternative party voters going to migrate? That's a big question. But also, it, it does indicate that this state is going to be very tight. Now, will Trump benefit from that? Will Biden benefit from that? We think that more third party voters might vote for Trump or sit out than vote for Biden. That's just what we're looking at. That's our opinion uh, in terms of reading this. This is too close to call. However, based on some of the trends we're seeing, the movement in the polls in the last couple of days, we're going to give the edge to Trump in Michigan. And that's massive. So let's take a look at another key battleground state. This is the state of North Carolina. Let's take a look at this. This is an important southern state here, and there's some extenuating factors as well in the state of North Carolina that we think are important uh, when we're trying to read what's going to happen. 15 electoral votes are up for grabs in North Carolina. It does have a very strong rural base, GOP base, strong evangelical base, a red rural tundra in the state of North Carolina. Now, the U.S. Senate race is interesting. This could give you an indication of where things are headed in the state. Uh, Tom Tillis, a uh, Republican, he did wear a mask, if you noticed, in the Rose Garden uh, recently, and that definitely got him woke points 
for swing voters. These things matter now in America. So he is at the moment edging Cal Cunningham, the Democrat. So that's definitely bodes well uh, for the GOP, for the Republican Party in that state. So we'll keep a close look uh, on that race. Now the ACB effect, that definitely looms massively in North Carolina for the conservative GOP base. Very, very happy about the new Supreme Court justice. Now back in 2016, Donald Trump took North Carolina by 3.66%. Now, will he be able to repeat that performance? Are there any factors that are coming into play that are gonna cut into that lead uh, of Donald Trump? So uh, are the Democrats gonna gain ground anywhere in the cities, in the urban areas? This is a big question. So, and further from that, the burn level is decent uh, in North Carolina. Disaffected Bernie Sanders supporters, we say the burn level is medium uh, in the state of North Carolina. That could basically take away from uh, Democratic support that Biden might have been counting on uh, in this state. So that's a bit of dark matter. We're gonna have to give the edge for North Carolina to Donald Trump in this case. So that's a key, another key swing state here uh, where Trump has the edge. Now, moving on from North Carolina, uh, one of the last battleground states we'll be looking at is the state of Georgia, key southern state right over Florida. So anyone who can carry Georgia uh, is definitely looking good in terms of the electoral college race. So Georgia, 16 electoral votes. Let's look at some of the factors that might be driving trends in Georgia. Atlanta is blue, blue in, all the way through, and it's got a red rural tundra uh, in the rural areas of Georgia. So again, very similar pattern that we've seen in other swing states. So the ACB effect is in play here in a big, big way. The conservative base are absolutely motivated and really, really happy. Back in 2016, Trump did take Georgia 4.9%, very slim margin. This was a massive win for Donald Trump and this helped to sort of cap his electoral landslide over Hillary Clinton in 2016. Gary Johnson did fairly well, took 3% of the vote. So, you know, in a tight swing state, again, uh, the indie vote, where it's going to go, where it's going to migrate, that makes a massive difference. So, however, Biden did very well here in the primaries. 85% he took in the 2020 primary. So this, in terms of the Democratic Party, Biden has an absolute lock um, here. So the burn rate won't really factor in when Biden is doing so well uh, in a state like Georgia. So he can command his base there. Now, 2020 polling on Biden versus Trump, it's pretty much dead even right now. And we looked at some mainstream polls. Uh, we'll show you one in a minute, but uh, it seems to be, the gap seems to be closing. Biden had a bigger advantage in, uh, in Georgia in the last couple of weeks, and now that sort of gap has closed a lot. So we'll take a look at that in a minute. But this is too close to call right now. But the recent movement in some of the mainstream polls that we've seen, the gap closing, uh, we think we're going to have to give the edge in Georgia to Trump just based on those factors. Let's look at one of those polls, however. This is interesting here. And when we, when we look at polls, some of these polls have been, we look at the other polls. Here's one here, uh, Morning Consult. We looked at their other polling in other states where we knew that Donald Trump was doing better than what the national polling was doing. And so that we, we, we think that this organization is biased towards Biden. Now, because the gap between Biden and Trump has shrunk so much in Georgia, um, we're sort of factoring in, we're handicapping that. And right now, this is what it looks like according to Morning Consult, which we consider to be more biased towards 
the Democrats and Biden and how they've been polling. So it's neck and neck at 48%. That's why we've given the edge to Donald Trump. So the, some of the mainstream polls, polls that aren't treating Trump very well in other states where they you know, show him as underperforming when we know in fact that he's uh, performing much better. Morning Console is giving him this mark here. So this looks like momentum is definitely uh, going red. So those are some of the things we're looking at. And just widely, there's just more people uh, in terms of the bookies reporting, bets are flooding in for Donald Trump in the last couple of days. So that's another trend marker that things are turning uh, in Trump's favor. And again, uh, if you're looking at mainstream polling, uh, they're not going to be looking at these sort of factors. But this means that something's happening. Now, based on all of these things, we'll have to make some changes in terms of our electoral map. Now, we had a slight calculation uh, previously. We're going to update that a little bit, and we'll show you why. Now, in terms of some of these swing states, Georgia will flip red, uh, according to what we've seen recently. And up here in the north in Michigan, will flip that red as well. So where it was a, quite a tight margin, now Donald Trump has basically extended his margin. If these two states go red, uh, then this, what we're going to be looking at in terms of, here's one scenario, electoral votes, Donald Trump, 306 uh, to Joe Biden's 232. So that's, you know, really extending his lead from what we thought a couple of days ago, you know, around 288 electoral votes, because we believe that Trump is going to basically take uh, Georgia and Michigan. Now, we could be wrong. Uh, we could have our numbers absolutely wrong on this. So we're just going on the data that we're looking at, and we're looking at mainstream polling. We're looking at dark matter. We're looking at some statistical analysis. And basically, this is where we're at right now. So we'll, be, we'll see. This could move in, in the direction of Biden. There could be an October surprise Joe Biden has in his back pocket. Who knows? Some scandal against Trump. We don't know. But at the moment, the momentum is definitely going in this direction. So that's where we're at. Now, we'll probably check back with you in a few days. But in the meantime, uh, you want to be going to 21stCenturyWire.com. This is our live blog at Election Edge. There you'll see all the real-time updates. So if you want any good election tips uh, on what's going on, you want to see where things are heading and some of these key battleground states, things to look for, go to our live blog at 21stCenturyWire.com. So thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll hope we'll see you in a couple of days uh, with some more updates on some important stories, things that are really driving trends and pushing uh, voters in these battleground states in the 2020 elections. Take care.